0: But grab your Bibles this morning. We're here to preach, not talk about just uh, all these kinds of things. But Nehemiah chapter 6, we're going to look at the first three verses. You know, I was really on the fence of what to preach, uh, you know, when I knew I was in chapel a few months ago. Uh, you know, I just, you know, when, you, when you're a graduate, you kind of think about things. And what kind of sermon should I bring to chapel? And, uh, and I don't have an alliterated sermon today, so please forgive me. I usually alliterate every single sermon, sometimes even subpoints. I'm not crazy with it, but, uh, but you know... Uh, this sermon uh, was, was given to me by God uh, when we were a couple years in our church plan. It was a very discouraging time, and uh, t- two people had uh, told us they weren't coming back to church, and we just had a septic flood. At the time, we lived in an apartment, and 90 apartments worth of sewage was like dumping into our apartment, and we lost a lot of our stuff, like everything in our bedroom that was on the floor and closets, the hallway closet, the kids' room. And uh, God gave me this sermon, and I preached it uh, years ago, and I even canceled junior church that day. I said, everybody, you know, got babies, just everybody sit down. Uh, No classes, no nothing. I want everybody in the auditorium, and I preached this sermon. So kind of tweaked a little bit, but uh, this was something uh, like I preached a few years ago when we were kind of discouraged and really feeling down, not really thinking of quitting, but just, you know, what do we got to do? You know, Our life's kind of a wreck right now. So Nehemiah 6, look at verses 1 through 3. The Bible says... Now it came to pass when Samballot and Tobiah and Geshem and, and uh, the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built of the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at the time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. So he's like mid-project, I haven't even set up the doors on the gates yet. And when mid-project, the enemies heard about that. And in verse 2 it says that Sembalat. And Geshep sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. And, you know, Brother Spencer, I believe there might have been a coffee shop there. You know, let's talk about ministry, what you're doing wrong down there. Let's go to Ono, the Ono coffee shop. Talk about ministry. But they thought to do me mischief. They weren't really trying to encourage uh, Nehemiah or those people. They are trying to do him mischief. And then in verse 3, here's his response. And he didn't even say it personally. He sent messengers right there in verse 3, uh, saying, I am doing a great work. So, I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? I want to preach a simple thought this morning. Reasons I can't come down from the wall. Reasons I can't come down from the wall, and the reasons you shouldn't either. And let's have a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, would you help us this morning? No doubt in a room full of this and all these students, there's going to be some that might quit on God. They might go through a discouraging time, a tough time, a A ministry difficulty, and they might start getting angry with you, Lord. They might get angry with people, and they might quit on God, but we ought not to quit this morning. We ought not to come down from the wall. There's something to do. There's something to build. There's something to repair. There's a city that's lying in ruins, and I pray you'd help us this morning to not come down from the wall, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I can't come down from the wall. It's the year about 455 B.C. as, as I studied. And, uh, you know, of course, the, you know, we, we kind of know the story. If you've ever read Nehemiah, maybe you don't know the story. But, of course, the city is in ruins. It's a heaping pile of rubble. God uniquely, you know, equips Nehemiah to rebuild the wall. Starts with the wall. But, you know, they're going to rebuild everything in the city. And Jerusalem has been destroyed and they're going in there to kind of do something for God. And God did, did, does all these miracles, he even like pays for it. And, and it's amazing. And and what I see here, you know, as we spread across these couple chapters in the beginning, is there's reasons we, we can't stop the work of God. I think sometimes when we're, we start doing something, it's not that the enemies just leave us alone. Well, you know, you're doing something for God. I'm just going to leave you alone. I won't attack you. Won't cause you any issues or problems. No, it's actually when you start doing something, it's when you start getting attacked. When we first moved to New York City, I mean, we we were there for like a couple of days, and uh, the light in the Staten Island Ferry sign had went out. The T went out, and it kind of looked like Satan Island Ferry. Satan Island Ferry. And it's almost as if the enemy was saying, you know, you're in my backyard now. You, you thought it was great, you know, you're traveling around America and all these churches, but now, now you're in my backyard. And, 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 you know, those early days, I remember having the septic floods, and we had an ACS case. Someone accused us of abuse and neglect of our kids, and we had this whole ACS, Child Protective Services thing. And it was just thing after thing, difficulty after difficulty, and we just pushed on through. It's always been difficult, but I want to get into the first point this morning. You shouldn't come down from the wall. You shouldn't quit on God. You shouldn't stop doing what God's called you to do because number one, because Jerusalem lieth in waste. Jerusalem lieth in waste. Look at chapter two and look at verses 17 and 18. Chapter two, verses 17 and 18. The Bible says, Then said I unto them, ye see the distress that we are in. You know, Nehemiah kind of stands up and he's like, look guys, we are in an awful situation. It's a distressful time. We're, we're in a needful hour. Our city's in ruins. You know, we're in a distressful situation. You know, if I could apply it to modern day in 2024, we're in a distressful situation. As you look across America, now we're in somewhat of a bubble. If you don't live in the South and you're maybe from, you know, the Northeast or out West, you know, you truly know what, what it's like out there. It's horrible. Less missionaries than there ever has been. Less evangelists than there ever has been. Churches closing. You know, just in the the time we planted the church in New York City, I've seen guys come and go and quit. I've seen churches fold. You know, guys that got all the money, got all the support and all the backing of everybody. And then their churches shut down. They don't exist anymore. And they were planted within the time I was there. Listen, it's distressful. We need preachers. We need missionaries. We need evangelists. Jerusalem lieth in waste. Again, look at our text in verse 17. You see the distress we're in, how Jerusalem lieth in waste. If I hear about another church that closes or shuts down or I hear about something in America, yeah, it's just gonna, I'm just gonna go crazy. And the gates there were burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more reproach. We ought to build the work of God. May I say to you this morning, We need to plant churches in America. Now, I'm gonna let it for other chapel speakers and other missionaries to talk about the world and the need for worldwide missions. And I'm not trying to take away from worldwide missions. We need to reach the 1040 window. We need to reach the continent of Africa. We need to reach Southeast Asia. We need to reach South America, all over the Caribbean. We need to reach everywhere. But listen, we also need to reach America. You know, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up in this thing. Someone knocked on my door, changed my life. There's another Dave wild out there. There's another Wayne Birchwell out there. There's there's other, there's other people yet to reach. And even though we are in the southeast, we're we're losing our cities down here. Charlotte is needy. Uh, you know, you know, you know. I don't I don't know all the major cities, but you know, like all all the capital regions, all the major metropolis areas. But you know, it, it's a distressful time. Now, now look at uh, verse 18. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. You know, they didn't say, Let's rise up and build till Nehemiah said, Hey, let's build this thing. You know, we need a leader, we need a preacher. And listen, guys, when you're a preacher, when you're a pastor, when you're an evangelist or a full-time worker, you be that leader. You be that leader that church needs. Not that you're some brash dictator just kind of ordering people around. You serve with your people. But listen, you're the leader. You're going to say, hey, we're going to build something here. We're going to do something here. We're going to reach people in this city. We're going we're to pastor these people and pastor this town. And he said, listen, we've got to rise up and build. They said, yeah, let's do that. Let's rise up and build. And, uh, and it said, uh, so they strengthened their hands for this good work but Jerusalem lieth in waste. Let me give you a quote. This preacher said about the, the, the times, he said, we've arrived at a crisis in the church, which should awaken a deep feeling in every heart. We have turned away from God. We have grievously backslidden. We have fallen in open sins. He went on to say, uh, and now God is ready to come out on judgment against us. He's already chastening us with his sore displeasure. Reverend Bidwell in 1846 1846. So, hey, hey brother ben, Benwell, you said in 1846 where we are grievously backsliding, we've turned from God. What would you say today? I mean, we've turned our back completely on God. I mean, if he's saying it back in 1846, he'd be going crazy today. He'd be radical. We have turned our back on God. Americans care less about God now than they ever have been. We're the most under church, uh, you know, nation than we have ever have been. You know, our culture is just running down uh, the path of wickedness. Jerusalem lieth in waste this morning. Uh, the work of God was destroyed. Nehemiah said, we're going we're gonna to do some, some work for God. The worship of God was in ruins. Listen, we need preachers. We need preachers. Well, why are you preaching at Ambassador Baptist College? Well, because some of you won't turn into preachers. You're you're, going to say you're called. I went to to school with guys and I'm called to the ministry. I'm going to be a pastor. And you know where some of those guys are at? They're not doing anything. They're, they're not. So in a group like this, you can say you're called. Maybe you're not really called, but if you say you're called and God is called, you're not preacher called, mom called, or, you know, I don't know, like church called. And if you're God called, you got to do the work of God. The worship of God was in ruins. I think the greatest thing that I think about when I think about New York City and Staten Island and 512 Tompkins Avenue is there was no church there. But now there's people singing praises every Sunday. There's preaching every Sunday and every midweek service. We have, we had 18 Spanish speakers. We had we had a little Spanish Bible study on Wednesday nights. We had you know youth group on we had about 20 teens you know Friday night, and we had six saved over just this past summer. And uh, and and now we have we have a new pastor there. You know, but there wasn't a church there. It was just a t-shirt printing shop. We got that little storefront. We made it into a church, and uh, you know we we put something in there. Now there's a worship of God. We need God to smell that sweet smelling savor as we plant churches and, and, and reseed America and replant America and do a work for God. And, and listen, let me, let me help you guys too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw some things out to the students. You know. Don't go and work for a guy and just complain about all the things he does. You just get in there and make that change. You reach those people. Don't complain that he's not a soul winner. You'd be a soul winner. And by the way, how you're soul winning now is how you're soul in the ministry anyway. So you better work on it. The work of God was destroyed. The worship of God was in ruins and the wall of God was broken down. Nehemiah said, we're gonna do something about it. You know, we'd we'd love to have uh, one church to about 10,000 U.S. citizens, but we have about, and this is across the board, this counts like Catholics and everybody, I think we have 11, any kind of churches, to 10,000 citizens. So we're severely under-churched. Of course, you have the, you know, churches, Mormon churches, Scientology churches, Catholic churches, unbiblical churches. We need God's biblical churches all across America. We need it this morning. The Jerusalem lieth in waste. This is a needful hour. Nehemiah said, this is my city. This is my Jerusalem. It's a heaping pile of rubble. I'm gonna gonna start with this wall and we're gonna gonna keep on building. You know, listen, you know, Jerusalem lieth in waste. And and really what it is, you know, why we're seeing all this is because Satan is getting the victory in many ways, in many ways, because he fights the Christian. He fights the Christian. Now, sometimes it is our flesh. You wake up in the morning, you kind of shave that face, or you kind of comb your hair, ladies, and you're looking at that, that person in the mirror, and that's sometimes our biggest enemy. That's that flesh, that sinful flesh. Now, that's definitely an enemy. That's definitely a propensity to kind of to, to be a failure, you know, and, and to struggle in your flesh, but sometimes it's very satanic. You know, he slanders us, he tempts us, he hinders us, he wrestles us, he, uh, he harasses, he blinds spiritual eyes of unsaved people. You know, he, uh, he smites, he murders. You know, you know what did he say to P- Peter? Remember, he told Peter, I'm gonna, uh, he, about Peter, he wanted to sift him like wheat. He wanted to sift him like wheat. That's what he wants to do. You're not gonna get in the ministry and just, there's no problems. He wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to destroy you. He wants to wreck your mind. He wants to crush your heart. He wants to sift you. He wants to sift you. And, and, and often in the Bible, he'd ask God permission to, 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 to touch somebody. It's interesting, right? Because remember, he touched Job's body. He gave him boils. He, you know, and, and of course, God knew that he would serve the Lord, but he still touched his body, killed his family. Listen, Satan doesn't play fair, never plays fair, always hits below the belt. But Satan uh, fights the Christian and, and causes Jerusalem to be on fire. And we need, to, we need to put out some fire. We need to be spiritual firemen. You know, uh, Jeremiah fifteen six 6 says, Thou hast forsaken me, saith the Lord. Thou hast gone backward. Therefore, while I stretch out my hand against thee and destroy thee, I am weary with repenting. You know, if you can't get yourself right right now, you just keep repenting of the same old sins and you keep, keep struggling, you, you're not gonna be a, a success in God's eyes because you're just constantly struggling. You're constantly struggling. And what, what our country needs, what the world needs, is not a Christian that just can't really read his Bible, pray every day and witness and just struggle with sin, but you need to be a victorious Christian. You, you need to, to, to attack head on the need of the hour because Jerusalem lieth in waste. Listen, it's, a, it's an important uh, perspective this morning. But not only that, because I think we'd all kind of agree, if, if you got young guys came up with this sermon, you'd kind of come up with that point. You know, yeah, that's a need to, to build this wall because Jerusalem is, is broken down. We ought to build up what's broken, right? But here's another reason, and this is kind of interesting, I think, as God gave it to me years ago. But number two, a reason I can't come down from the wall this morning is because the enemy is fighting. The enemy is fighting. Now, this might be a little confusing to you. We're going to turn to chapter 6 again, look at verses 1 and 2, but the enemy is fighting. I think we respond to the enemy far too much. We listen to the enemy, we have our TVs turned up too loud maybe, we have the radio turned up too loud, and we're so responsive to the enemy. The enemy will always fight. Now look again at chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. We read it at the beginning, let me remind you of the thoughts there. We'll paraphrase when we'll go through all the names again. But when all the enemies, there are enemies, heard that I built a wall, when I started to do something for God. Uh, they wanted to the do me mischief, right? In verse two, they said, let's come meet together in some one of those villages. And plaintiff, oh no, it's a perfect little cafe there. We can talk about, you know, you know, why you're failing. You know, why, you know I could be your church planting coach. I could be your, your ministry uh, advisor here. You could pay me, I'll tell you uh, how to do things better. Just give people money to go to church. And let's meet in this little coffee shop. You know, I got some ideas here. Let's have a day about it. But you know, the enemy was fighting and they wanted to kind of meet with, uh, with Nehemiah. And, uh, and that's not a reason to co- come down and stop. There's a lot of, a lot of conferences to attend, a lot, a lot of things to go to, a lot, a lot of things to get involved with. But listen, in the ministry, the, your family's number one, God's number one, your family's number you know, uh, close two. You know, but the ministry is a high priority. A lot of people, when they go into ministry, ministry is not a priority. They stop soul winning. They just sit there and complain about nobody coming. And they, they haven't witnessed to one person. I'm done with that. Listen, uh, the enemy is fighting. The enemy will distract. We, we don't get distracted by the enemy. The enemy is always going to chatter, always going to talk, always going to deter me from the will of God. But listen, I don't respond to that enemy. I, I don't listen to that text. I don't, I don't respond to those emails. I delete those things. The enemy is always fighting. You know, they wanted to do a mischief. You know what that means? This old Hebrew word here in the Old Testament. It means to give pain. Unhappiness, or give, uh, give bad, or evil, or give misery, and I like that middle definition, just to give pain. They just, he just wanted to give pain to Nehemiah. He wanted to do him mischief. He wanted to do him wrong. That's what it is. I think sometimes we get. So distracted by the enemy, and we almost get obsessed with it. I think a lot of people during COVID did that. They got obsessed with COVID. They got obsessed with the government, and especially in New York. I mean, I think our guy—he was like talking every day, like the governor, the mayor. They were just just all kinds of things, and they were just saying all these weird things, or crazy things, and uh, they just wanted to give pain to people, and uh, they wanted to be worshipped or something. I don't know, but. Uh, I remember it was even weird one time. I went, went to, to church that day uh, in the middle of COVID, and like, Black Lives Matter just marches right by the building. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. They even took one of my benches. But, the, you know, the enemy is always fighting. You know, let's get another bench. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I didn't have them bolted down. You know, I made the, the classic New York City mistake. I didn't bolt and chain everything down. Uh, you know, I should have bolted that, that, uh, that bench down. They really wanted that bench. But uh, they probably used it in Manhattan, threw it in the building or something. But, uh, but you know, the enemy is always fighting. He wants to do me pain. Listen, listen, it's not a bed of ease in the ministry. There's great times. I mean, I could give you positive stories, but I'm trying to be real this morning. You know, it, it, there's, there's a great, there's great story. There's a guy that came in, he said he's pagan. Let him, the Lord, disciple him. He's in Bible college today in his junior year, just texted me today. You know, there, there's great stories, but it's not all easy. It's not all a bed of ease. It's not all comfortable in the ministry. Sometimes it's very uncomfortable. Sometimes it's busy. Sometimes it's lack of sleep. It's stress. It's dealing with counseling situations that just keep you up all night long. I remember, what was that one where we were like up all night? I think it was a marriage counseling thing. And I called Pastor King. I, can't, I think I called half the professors here. And I was like, I just, I don't know what to do. And it just kept us up all night. Oh, I remember what it was. It was uh, Pamela when that, her boyfriend was trying to kill her. Oh man, just, we've gone through some weird stuff. I could hear him screaming and banging on the door. And uh, we got the cops there, but, you know, it just kept me up. I just, I couldn't sleep, you know. I can't sleep anyway, but, you know, that really kept me up. <laughs> the enemy is fighting. The enemy is fighting. You know what's interesting about this, though? The enemy is fighting here in our text. God is greater than the enemy. Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. I'm at the safest place that I could ever be. I'm in the center of God's will. It's not dangerous in New York City. There's, there's no crime around me because I'm in the center of God's will. And if God wants to be dead, he'll kill me. He will lie, he will cause you to doubt, he'll tempt, destroy, fight, devour, depress, and try to dominate you, but it doesn't matter. God is greater than the enemy. Hey, there's a million reasons I can't come down from the wall, but number one, because Jerusalem lieth in waste and there's a need to build that wall, and number two, because the enemy is fighting. But number three this morning, here's one of my favorite reasons why I can't come down from the wall. But look again at chapter six, look at verse three. It says, and I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing, we're gonna stop right there, If you're busy doing, you don't have time to listen to that enemy. You you don't have time to stop because you're doing. You know, the enemy wanted to talk. And and Nehemiah said, I'm doing. I'm in in the middle of this. Hey, guys, I'm kind of nailing this board down, fixing this wall up. You know, I'm building here. I just don't have time to come down. I'm doing something here. You know, I'm in the middle of something. You ever been bothered while you're doing something? That's kind of like Nehemiah right here. See, he's like, I'm doing. I'm doing a great work, a magnificent large work. I'm doing a great responsible work here so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease? Why should I stop? You know, you know what happens when missionaries quit. That's the end of evangelism in that area. If if, sometimes they fold the church, sometimes they give it to somebody else. But often, when missionaries quit or pastors quit, uh, sometimes when there's a resignation, there's there's sometimes a church split. Sometimes that church just ceases to exist. That's awful. That's awful. I want none of you to do that. Please, please, let's stop that. Let's have this generation just stop doing that. Let's stop quitting and and killing churches. Like, uh, let's at least call ambassador and say, uh, Doctor Spencer, send us somebody because I'm you know I'm about to die. I'm going to quit and uh, get somebody here if you can. Just you know do something. Help me out, you know. But listen, let's stop killing churches. But he said, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. Why should the work cease? If I quit and come down and I stop, the work, the work ends. I'm, I'm not building the wall anymore. Why should I come down to you, he says in verse 3. I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work. Now, there's much we could say about this work. But let me make it clear. I'm not great, but the work is great. I'm not great. I think sometimes we're in Bible college. We look at preachers and pastors and missionaries, evangelists, maybe the the professors. And and I did this a little bit, you know, and I was like, yeah, I just want to be like Dwight Smith. I want to be like Dr. Comfort. I didn't even know Dr. Comfort when I got here. The only person I actually knew was was Dwight Smith. Uh, My church gave me like uh, sermons by him. And I can't remember what I was here for something. And I went up to Dr. Comfort, and he just looked important, and I was just a bold person. And I said, uh, and, and Dwight Smith was like over somewhere in the building. I said, hey, is he preaching today? And, Do- and Dr. Comfort told me, he's like, no, he's not preaching today. I said, well, I have sermons from him, and I love his preaching. And uh, I just, it would be exciting if he, he could preach. And Dr. Comfort said, well, I'll make him preach today. And he, he put him on the schedule. And uh, this is before I even knew Dr. Comfort, but... Hey, you know, you just got to be yourself, but, uh, you know, but listen, you know, the, the work is great. The work is, the people aren't great. We can idolize people. We can look at a Dr. Comfort, a, an Alton Beal, and a, and a Dwight Smith, or, or, or any of the professors, and, and we can say, well, there's just such great people. No, no, the work is great. The people are great. Yes, it's difficult at times. Yes, the enemy fights as we, as we do things, but I'm, but I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work. Hey, it's a, it's a great experience. It's a great sacrifice. It's great people. It's great services. It's great memories. Some of my best memories right now are in the church plant. I can, I can rehash things that happen. Uh, I can remember going to a park and making balloons for some kids. Uh, and then I talked to the mom and I said, you ought to come to, to Neighbor Bible Time. And, and she came, you know, and then her kids get saved. and she gets saved. and she's living with this guy. And then uh, they, they, they hurry up and get married at the courthouse. And then I lead her husband to the Lord in, in marriage counseling. And then years later she's like, oh, I'm looking for a job, Pastor. They attended faithfully. And uh, and I said, have you ever thought about being a secretary? and I'm kind of like swamped right now. Elizabeth's busy doing all her things, and I could use like a part time secretary. She's like, Well, I've never, I've never done that. Well, I say, well, Are you willing to learn? She's like, Well, yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, I kind of train her how to be a secretary. It's, it's the greatest memories. And, and uh, by the way, her husband texted me yesterday, and we were chatting about things on Sunday. Uh, I baptized him in the ocean there in New York City uh, in, in the Atlantic. But, you know, but it's, it's great memories. It's great memories. Uh, you know, by the way, you're, you're establishing memories right now. You might meet your spouse here. You, you might connect to something to, to, that changes your course of ministry that leads you into a ministry. There may be some that are on the fence about church planning in the United States. Let, let, me, let me burden you with that thought. You ought to really think about that. You ought to really pray about that. If God's already called you to do something else, do what God's called you to do. But if you're on the fence about it, you're burdened about America and church planting, think about it, be burdened for it, pray about it. Uh, 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 talk to church planters and pick their brain. What did you do? What, what was your experiences? What did it look like? And uh, it's great memories. It, it's great salvations. The work is great. But even though the work is great, and even the most positive person can, can have this in their mind, you know, the work is great, I'm excited about it. You know, the enemy still doesn't stop at that. Now, in our text, as we looked at that opening part, in uh, verse four, they come four times. You know, they didn't really stop at the, at the first time. You kind of need a spiritual backbone because you can be like, oh, the work is great, I'm excited, I'm having a great Monday, but you know, the enemy will come you know, maybe a Tuesday. And so if you look back at, uh, at six, he said, and I sent unto them, uh, and, and yet they sent unto me four times, this is verse 4 of chapter 6, uh, and I answered them after the same manner. So uh, they, they come up again, hey, hey, hey Nehemiah, you know, there's a, a great coffee shop, the beans are just succulent, and they, they just roast it perfectly, and if you just come have a cup of coffee with me, we can have all these ideas, make a whole day about it, and uh, I can tell you the best ideas for a, for a big day in your church, and all these kinds of things, and, and if you just drink some coffee with me, we could talk about these things. But Nehemiah's, well, I'm busy doing something. I don't really need, I don't need to go to the coffee shop. They, they came to him again. Uh, you know, but Nehemiah, but, you know, their sandwiches, they're the pastries. They have the best bakery person, like, in the whole town of Ono. It, it, it's even in the plane. It's easy to get to. I mean, it's just right around the corner. If you just go there, I mean, the pastries, oh, they just, it, it, it pairs beautifully with the roast. And, uh, but, he, but he said, no, I'm, I'm doing a great work. I, I can't come down. not come down. He sent messengers. Hey, the guy came a third time but listen Nehemiah I mean come on I mean there, there's there's a better way to do it I mean if you kind of changed your standards a little bit you kind of changed your music a little bit maybe maybe you changed some some beliefs here you know I'm sure you'd bring a bigger crowd I'm sure you probably need more people on the wall don't you you probably need to have a massive army on that wall but if you just kind of like loosen up on some of these strict standards I'm sure you know we could talk about it over some coffee right no, he came a third time, and it was a fourth time. But Nehemiah, Nehemiah, you got to reconsider this. I have some great ideas for you. But listen, I can't come down from the wall. I'm doing a great work. You know, it's not even that, but they also tried to distract him, you know, and, and they tried to laugh at him. Look at chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. Chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. The Bible says, what, but when Sambal, the, the Hornite and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and guess the the even heard it. Now, this is when they d- declared they were going to build a wall. They weren't even doing it yet. Uh, but still, it's interesting what they did here at the very beginning. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing you do? Will you rebel against the king? Uh, what, what's this thing you do? What's this little church you're part of? What's this little Bible college in, in the backwoods of Lattimore, which as a northerner, I was... I was out of, a fish out of water, too, for some of you northerners. And uh, it was my first time in the South, too. And, uh, you know, what's this little thing? But, you know, I, I've remembered countless things in the ministry because of Ambassador. You know, the enemy will laugh us. <laughs> well, you think you're study studying the Bible. What's that going to do? You know, uh, you, you serve God, and yet they might bow to a statue, but, but yet they, they laugh you to scorn. What's this little thing you do? What's this thing you do? Will you rebel against the king? You're not falling in line with culture, falling in line with, with the status quo. You're not, you're not following the crowd. You know, what, what's this thing you do? I like verse 20. So even though the enemy laughs, the work of, the work of God is greater than the laughter of the enemy. But look at verse 20. Then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we his his servants will arise and build, but ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Hey guys, you don't have a right here. You don't have a portion here. I'm tired of America being the way it is. And I don't want to just throw a little Facebook thing on there or, or Twitter X, whatever, whatever the things are called. I'm not even on a lot of them. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just unwilling to just kind of throw things out there social media wise. And you know, this it's this is just a kind of a written word. And it might rally a cause, bring some people to, your, to like and comment. But listen, let's do something about it. Let's do something about it. Let's stop talking about it. Let's stop complaining about it. Let's do something about it. They'll laugh us to the scorn. They'll distract us. Uh, they'll, uh, they'll send messages four times after this sort. But listen, we can't come down from the wall. There's a million reasons I can't come down. There's a million reasons. I could give you, I could give you three reasons, and they're standing uh, in front of us in, in my picture. There's, there's three reasons right there. My kids... I ought to be doing it. There's reasons among the staff here and, and Brother Beal and Dr. Comfort, there's a lot of reasons, and a lot of people. And, and there's a Mr. Birchwell that may, you know, I don't know if he's listening in. Maybe he's got better things to do in heaven, but, uh, you know, I don't know if he's listening. You know, there's a lot of reasons why I'm not gonna come down from the wall. I'm not gonna quit. And there's reasons you shouldn't quit. Don't break your nail in the ministry and quit on God. Don't just have a bad hair day. Oh, I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna quit. Look at chapter six. Look at verse 15. Go down to verse 15. The Bible says, And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it, that it was known unto us that God had brought their counsel to naught, and that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone to his work. And then, uh, I'm sorry, that was chapter 4, but that's still a good verse. Uh, God, God really gave me a great verse. Now let's go to actually chapter 6 and verse 15. That was a good one, though. I, I, I got to add that one in there. Uh, verse 15. So the wall was finished in the fifth day of the month, Elul, in 52 days. 52 days, that whole wall was built. And it came to pass when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things. They were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought in our God. That's what we're going for. When we do something in ministry for God, it's not that people look at us, Oh, look, at, you're, you're amazing. I want your signature in my Bible. You know, you're, just, you're just an amazing Christian. No, 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 they see that God did something. If you ever look at New York City again, and you know what we've done there. For some that know us there or have visited us, if you ever look at Liberty View, you can't say Dave Wilt did that. Listen, I was, I was not a straight-A student. I flunked some classes. I had to retake them, and uh, I think I even did a Spencer one. I did a switcheroo, you know. I think I flunked with another guy, and I had to take him with Spencer, and I switched around just try to figure out what, how I could do better, but I wasn't the smartest kid. I wasn't the smartest Bible college student, but, but, but listen, I, I just wanted to do something that God, that no one could explain. They couldn't say, well, Dave Wilt did that. No, Dave Wilt didn't do that. God did that. Liberty View Baptist Church, God did that, even passing along to a pastor. I I didn't realize that at the time, we were kind of stressed about it and thinking about it. And uh, people said, how'd you do that? I said, well, I didn't know. I just asked someone to pray about it, set up the pulpit committee, trying to train them and guided them. And and we brought him in and he was in, you know, just asked him to pray in February. He was in by the fall and, and it was about maybe four or six months of just kind of worked through it. And they're like, oh, it's amazing. You know? And I said, well, it's just, God did it. I don't know how to explain it. You know, When we saw the buildings, you know, God, we knew God wanted us to be in the storefronts we were in and where to plant and reach those people and, and helped us to transition. And it's just because we just stuck after it and it was rod of God. If God does it, it can't fail. If God does it and works through it, it just can't fail. God doesn't fail. We fail all the time. Uh, But God never fails. God never fails. They saw it was rotten, our God. When the world sees a work done for God and through God, they can only respond in amazement for the great work he has done. And like I said, there's a million reasons, but let me remind you of these three. Because Jerusalem lies in waste, because the enemy is fighting, because the work is great. And those that like to literate, you can give me the literations later for that.